Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast on rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. This week on Rural Spark, we take a look at the forest products industry that plays such an important role in the economies of rural Canada. Specifically, we wanted to look at how the industry has evolved in recent decades and how the innovations taking place today might position it well for the future. And then there's the workforce. As with all of rural Canada, talent recruitment and retention is a challenge. So what are Canada's forest product producers doing about it? And are they doing enough to build the kind of diversity in the workforce that is needed to build business success today? There was also some important news for the forestry industry in the recent federal budget that we wanted to delve into. So we invited Derek Nyber, CEO of the Canadian Forest Products Association, to join us. Hello, Derek, and welcome to Rural Spark. Thanks, Helen. Derek, I was taking a look at the Forest Products Association website to see what you folks have been up to lately, and I have to say I really like this tagline you're using uh, for listeners who have not come across it yet. It's Canada Grows on Trees. I always like a good play on words, and I, I like it because it's really simple, of course, and, and meaningful. I see that in your logo, the way you present it, there's a 150 beside, beside that graphic. Uh, so I'm wondering if it's something that the association adopted as part of perhaps marking Canada 150 back in 2017? Yeah, it, it was a big part of celebrating part of Canada's 150th birthday, the, the contributions of forestry. I, you know, industries in Canada don't get much more quintessentially Canadian than forestry does. And even myself, you know, living in downtown Ottawa, I'm talking to people all the time who had a father or mother or a grandfather or somebody who was in some way connected to forestry. So I think it's a special uh, connection that our sector has to the building of this country. For sure. And uh, some of us uh, may still have some rather dated ideas about what the forestry industry in Canada is and the forest product producers, um, what they're doing now and how they do it. I probably do myself as I grew up in rural Nova Scotia in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Your dates would be a a little more recent, I think, but you're from the Ottawa Mm -hmm. Valley and would have grown up in that environment. So for our listeners, can you describe a little bit of what today's forest products industry looks like? Yeah, you know, number one, it starts with meticulous planning and a connection to communities. You know, so there's a, I'd say in our sector, there's a really important social license and an important bond that our sector has with the communities we're living in based on where we're operating. You know, the forest is is very expansive across this country and the harvesting of trees requires very careful planning because You know, we're planning to keep communities safe from fire when we're doing those plans. We're also looking to, you know, where are the eagles' nests, where are the bears' dens, where are the caribou calving grounds, where are the wetlands, you know, how can we mitigate floods, how could we prevent pests. So all of the variables that are considered in going, you know, in terms of planning a harvest, determining which trees are we going to harvest, which trees are we not going to harvest, I think that's the starting point. And, and I think that's one thing I find in my job is, you know, unless you grew up in a place like Prince George or Peace River or Pembroke, you might not know that. And, and I think that's been a bit of a barrier for me because, I, as you said, I grew up in the Ottawa Valley. I know what our registered professional foresters, I know what my dad was doing when he worked at his plant in terms of the thought and the planning that went into a lot of this work. So I think that's that's the starting point for me in terms of understanding the role and the important role that forestry plays in Canada. 
Right. And last month, when I heard you speak on a panel on exporting, you talked a little bit about the digital divide in Canada. That's something that we talk about on our podcast from time to time, and how the lack of broadband internet and other technologies in some parts of rural Canada can be holding the forestry businesses back. There's ways maybe that they can grow and innovate and expand if they have these kind of technologies that are available in more urban centers. We did see this issue addressed in the recent federal budget. So what are your thoughts on the government's commitment in terms of funds and target dates to address this problem? And what do you think it'll mean for some of your members to get good broadband internet services in their rural communities? Yeah, it's a huge opportunity, and I'm going to have a chance to sit down with Rural uh, Economic Development Minister Bernadette George in the next couple of weeks to talk about how forestry plays into that. So, you know, we've seen, you know, there's a, there's a commitment through the budget of a couple of weeks ago to move to 100% broadband access by the year 2030. It presents a, a number of opportunities for us in forestry, and, and one starts with the technologies that we can employ in the forests as we plan the harvests and as we do our, our analysis and our surveying of the land. There's a, a lot of new innovative technologies that will be greater, you know, greater enabled by, by having broadband access. So I think just the ability to expand and use new technologies in places we wouldn't be able to without that kind of advancement I think is important but you know from a human perspective I'm more excited about it because of the fact that it's going to connect some of these communities to the rest of the world and in a sector like ours that is that is starved for talent and is trying to fill jobs and trying to recruit you know families to our rural and northern communities having the ability to keep them connected to the world is a huge benefit. So I think, you know, for me, there's the actual operational opportunity that broadband access brings, but there's a bigger kind of human personal touch connectivity kind of piece that it brings to the lives of, of our workers and their family. So I think there, you know, those are a couple of the benefits of seeing this move forward. And in the, uh, the recent budget, there was also some good news specifically for forestry, I'm hoping you can explain a little bit between the, the the difference between two specific investments and maybe tell us a little bit about their significance because at the surface level, some sure. of us who aren't in the industry might uh, not understand what the difference is. And, and that is the Forest Innovation Program, which is getting uh, $91.8 million, and the Forest Industry Transformation Program, which is getting an investment of $82.9 million. Yeah, so the latter, the Forest Industry Transformation Program, that's a renewal of an existing program that's been really, really successful. And and hats off to the government, actually, when this was initiated years ago, they wanted not only to encourage innovation in forestry and get us moving and encourage industry to get moving into new product areas and new processes and improve efficiencies and all that good stuff. But they also wanted to do it by incenting us to do things that are a first, you know, a first of its kind innovation in Canada. And that's what that program's all about. And what it's done is whether it's a sawmill or a pulp mill, it's provided opportunities for these mills to improve processes, to get into the development of new products. And if you think of our sector, Helen, it's I like to think of us as the more traditional kind of two by four tissue paper product. And some of the more innovative new and emerging products, and we're a sector now as we, as we look, you know, as Canadians start demanding alternatives to plastics and less fossil fuel intensive products, 
the forest sector, you know, we're getting into biomaterials, we're getting into into new packaging options, we're getting into biofuel. So that program is is supporting a lot of that transformation. The other program is related to other innovation that's happening through a third-party organization that we have called FP Innovations, and they they support companies with ongoing innovation and transformation and, and project support, et cetera. And a number of the dollars allocated in the budget also support, you know, growing exports of Canadian products, supporting more building with wood initiatives. And, you know, in, in this green era, wood is a carbon storing product. And one of the benefits in forest management is this cycle of, you know, harvesting a tree before it turns into a carbon emitter locking the value and and locking the carbon into a long-lived wood product, getting the economic benefit from selling that product, and then planting a young tree that's going to, or a seedling that's going to absorb more carbon. So this whole kind of, uh, you know, green era, climate change, you know, lower carbon economy space, the forest sector and innovation in the forest sector, you know, holds a lot of promise for us. And it's interesting what you said about the plastics industry. I know there's a lot of concern about that. And I think, did I, did I read the term there on some of this that's discussed on your website on around bioplastics? Like, what is it exactly that's coming out of the forest products industry that has the potential to replace some of our plastics? Yeah, so just new packaging options. Uh, we're even seeing, you know, the ability, you know, in layperson's terms to convert tree glue into a bioadhesive. We're seeing the ability to to turn a wood fiber into fuel. You know, there's innovations around a biojet fuel coming from trees. So there's a whole host of innovative opportunities. But, you know, the challenge is, is, you know, it does take intensive investment to do that research and development. It takes additional investment to find those customers. You know, use the biojet fuel example. It means that we need to be talking to people like Boeing and Air Canada about how this might work for them. So for us in forestry, it means, you know, we got to be talking to non-traditional customers or people who might not even think about the forest sector being a source uh, to support their businesses. So there's a lot of change happening. And as I, you know, say to a, a number of my friends, in our sector now, we have almost as many, you know, lab coats as we do safety vests. We, we've seen that transformation. And there's always going to be a role for more traditional two-by-fours. You know, we need those products. But more and more, we're seeing new and innovative uses for wood uh, and wood fiber. That's fascinating stuff. And Derek, when we look at the workforce that's making all this innovation happen, research tells us that diversity in the workplace is making businesses more successful. And I do see that that's something that the FPAC is actively uh, promoting right now. How much of a priority is building diversity for your members? And are you seeing progress being made in increasing diversity? Yeah, we really are. We, we have a lot of work to do. You know, uh, when, if you look at gender diversity in our sector, we're only about 17% of our workforce is comprised of women. So what more do we need to be doing? And we're involved in an initiative right now that's looking at some of those barriers and, and some of those opportunities. Do we need to be considering childcare programs? Do we need to be considering transportation programs? You know, when, when we get women working in the forest or in our mills, what do we need to do to keep them? You know, and, and I also say, you know, I, I think it's also really important when you talk about diversity, that you talk about diversity in the context of there being room for everybody. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, what your gender is, 
uh, what your sexual orientation is. There, there, we have room for everybody in forestry. So our work is really to try to provide the most supportive work environment and identify what are those barriers and it could be as simple as people aren't thinking about us in some cases. So what more work do we need to do there? So this initiative that we're working on, it's led by the Canadian Institute of Forestry, supported by the federal government, is hopefully going to provide some additional insights to help us and, and our member companies on recruitment and retention in our sector. Right. And on that topic, not just in the forestry uh, industry, but really in most businesses in rural Canada, talent recruitment and retention is an ongoing challenge. When we look at rural Canada broadly, and, and you grew up there as I did, so we have some experience there, what do you think we need to be doing now to make our businesses and, in fact, our communities more attractive to potential employees and residents? Yeah, and you know, and it might sound kind of motherhood to say this, but we have to do a better job about reaching out to talk about the potential. You know, you think of a lot of people, as I did growing up in, in a rural community, my father would not have been encouraging me to go into the forest sector because of some of the downturning that was happening. But the sector has changed a lot, and we got to break some of those perceptions. Perception becomes reality. So, you know, there's a lot of new opportunities in the forest sector that we're seeing that we didn't see 10 years ago. So I think there's a bit of rebranding and repositioning and reaching out to talk about those opportunities. I, I was just up in, in Athabasca County, Alberta, earlier this week, you know, and actually the employment market in, in that area in forestry is actually pretty good right now. But it's only good because oil and gas has had a tough go. So you, you, you get into some communities as well. So I think one of the other barriers is, you know, raising that awareness, you know, making people know what the possibility and the potential is. The other is what's happening in that local community, you know, because often if, if, if mining is booming in a rural community, if energy is booming in a rural community, there's more competition than for those jobs. So then, you know, you're, you're battling for those jobs as well. But, but I would say overall, across the country, we have an aging workforce and we need to fill those jobs and we need to do a better job of reaching out to sell the potential and the benefits of working in our sector. Yeah, and I think that image people have of downturn in traditional industries. You know, in Atlantic Canada, we hear a lot about, you know, the downturn in fisheries and forestry, whereas really both of those industries have been transformed and are more innovative today. So I think, again, it's it's a matter of breaking down some of those stereotypes, you know, and letting people look at the new forestry and the new fishing that our communities are offering. Well, and you know, it, it is, you know, despite all the federal government support, on some days it is even a battle in terms of getting the federal government to think about us in a way. And the, the budget funding we received is hugely helpful. But on a day-to-day basis, you know, uh, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, is very much about forestry. You know, we're just not called Google or Facebook, and, and not everybody can work at Google or Facebook. So, you know, I think, and I'm seeing it talking to my colleagues and counterparts in energy and mining and in chemistry, we're seeing innovation and, and transformation right across the natural resources sector. And, you know, I think it's incumbent on all of us working in the sector to do a better job. And it's tough, you know, we're, we're in an information age of four second sound bites and Twitter and short attention spans, but more work does need to be done to better get our story out there and talk about the options and possibilities. Right. And in the context of such a fast-changing economy that we have now and the advances in technology that are really transforming these industries, if you look ahead to the next five years, what do you think we're going to see happening and changing in Canada's forest industry? 
Yeah, I think, you know, in urban Canada, one of the biggest, and I'm thinking of the sidewalk labs, urban development in downtown Toronto, you know, I'm, I'm on the urban development side, I'm seeing more, you know, uses of wood in building, you know, wood stores carbon, it's it's more environmentally friendly and, and faster to, to construct. Uh, it's beautiful. Studies show people are healthier and, and happier when they're in, in kind of wooden type settings. So I think one thing we're going to see is the building of more with wood in some of our urban developments. I think number two, the ongoing innovation, these new products, wood and wood fiber, you know, replacing other materials uh, in day-to-day products, I think is another trend we're going to continue to see. And I think the third one that's top of mind for me is just growing our export markets. It's Groundhog Day again with the softwood lumber dispute with the U.S. Right. The U.S. is an important partner and customer, but we need to find new markets. So expanding our, our market exports to places like China and Japan and Vietnam are going to be really critical. So I think those, you know, those are some things I'm most excited about in, in terms of the change that, that I see ahead of us. Right. And, you know, on Rural Spark, I think we'd be really interested in the future. I'll, I'll follow up with you folks um, to talk to some of your uh, members actually on the ground of what they're doing in innovations and how that's linked to the community and what the community is doing. So, but great insights today, Derek. Thank you very much for being uh, on our program and sharing some of these insights and helping to break down maybe some of our, our own ideas here uh, at Rural Spark about uh, today's forestry industry. Yeah, thanks, Alan. It was a real pleasure. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.